Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. The regular season is in the books. We now know the 14 teams will be heading, I always want to say into January. It makes me a little bit sad that even though the regular season often finished like just inside January, that it's no longer January football. It, playoff football, knockout football, six cracking looking games next weekend. Uh, and for the most part, I think the best team got in. The two seven seven seeds, both questionable, and we are going to go over those uh, coming up shortly. I'm delighted to say alongside myself, Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, back from Brazil, just in time to see the Green Bay Packers miss out on the <laughs> Hola, Tuda Bain. I'm not Tuda Bain. That was... It was actually quite predictable. I think once you, once you saw how Green Bay were playing on offense it was quite predictable I know I guess we'll get into it but yeah I'm fine man I I'm not as annoyed as I have been in previous years maybe that's just because I'm getting older maybe that's because the the playoffs seem like a bonus at four and eight and they they were never really going to happen I don't know I don't know I don't know and on the other side of things Michael McQuaid who sees his Denver Broncos team <laughs> Go from very nearly beating the Chiefs a week ago to eking out a pretty meaningless game against a Chargers team who left their starters in for <laughs> too long. No, Likely no Mike Williams for that game with the Jaguars next weekend is absolutely devastating for them. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk, I think, a bit about the head coaching carousel as part of this conversation today because the Denver Broncos are very much shooting for the moon right now. Well, lads, first off, welcome in. Welcome in. Great great to be here. And can I just say, yeah, they are shooting for the moon. And look, at the end of the day, well, I want to play for Man United and I'd love to see Ireland win the World Cup. It's not going to happen, is it? So, like Sean Payton, Jim Harbour, come on, lads. I mean, Both taking the interviews by the sounds of it. This ownership group spent $450,000 on a new field for one game. So one can only imagine where the interview might be, like a SpaceX flight to Mars or something. I don't, I don't know. It, it, I'm sure it'll be lovely. So uh, can't wait for the next nine months. You could literally conceive and have a child in the time frame between the next games for some of our teams, including the Packers. But I guess your Niners are going to win it all, Will. So it's all, it's all good at the minute. All aboard the rocket ship, baby. Uh, we'll get into. <laughs> right. We're going to get can into I, all of that. Can I just ask uh, why was the pitch relayed? Why was the field relayed? Man. Nothing makes sense over there at all. I mean, in a good way. I, I seen it and went, why? Like, apparently it wasn't, like, the best quality, but if you've got one game, it's not as if there's, like, an MLS team or anything. It's literally, that's it, bar a few concerts until September. So why why relay? Well, I, it's, a, it's a suing culture, isn't it? So if they knew that the pitch has been deemed as not very good and then someone gets a horrific injury because of the field like an, an ACL an MCL or whatever then and they knew that they could have changed it they could get sued for for more money than $475,000 potentially maybe that's right uh, uh, absolutely absolutely right there's a few big points I want to touch on from the weekend so what I'm going to do I'm going to work my way through the weekend chronologically and then we're going to stop at various points to discuss the uh, the the topics at hand starting off Saturday Kansas City Chiefs handily beat the Las Vegas Raiders. They take the number one seed. And as we now know, after Buffalo's victory over New England on Sunday, if the AFC Championship game were to be between those two, it will be played on a neutral field. 
And then on Saturday evening, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans go head to head for the AFC South, a game that I slept through maybe 90% of <laughs> uh, and feel like I had a better experience because of it. Yeah, I think you probably did have a better experience. I slept through 0% of it and watched 100% of it. And um, I'm never going to get that time back. Uh, Josh Dobbs, you know, was all right for a bit and then he wasn't. The defences were okay, but it was an awful lot of bad football. A lot of bad football that was then we saw again on, on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. But it the, the Jags-Titans game, just not a good game. I still buy that the the Jags Chargers game that's set up for the first round of the playoffs does look like a really tasty one. That's going to be the Saturday night late game again uh, this coming weekend. But realistically, after those two games and and there was some focus on the pregame and all of the <clears throat> kind of uh, pageantry and and the support shown for Demar Hamlin, all eyes were on Orchard Park at six pm on Sunday UK time. Where you know the outpouring was stunning, the the yeah. the way that the team handled it was fantastic, and then to just witness a ninety-seven yard Naeem Hines kickoff return as the first play from scrimmage after that injury happened. He of course added a second one later in the game from one hundred and six yards, which meant that. There have only been six kickoff return touchdowns in the NFL this season. Two of them came in the same game for the Buffalo Bills. Overall, I thought they were the better team. The Patriots had a couple of very good drives in the first half. Good long drives, methodical, put it together. But the talent between these two teams showed. The Buffalo defense turned up in a big way in the second half. And it's it's a two-facet thing, isn't it, Mike? But there's the DeMar Hamlin element of it and the emotion of that win and getting over that hump almost and making sure they get there but also Josh Allen made at least two throws in that game which said to me what elbow injury and I think they have gone from being my third team in the AFC to possibly my favorites for the AFC in the space of a 60 minute game Oh, I love it. And I can't wait to get your predictions for what stadium they're going to play that championship at then if it's the Chiefs later on. Um, <laughs> I what's think in, it was what's like, in the middle of the two? Uh, Chicago. Uh, send it to Moles. Dublin. Minnesota. Look, here, uh, uh, Minnesota's oh, indoors. That's good fun. Indianapolis, <laughs> Indianapolis have already ruled themselves out, haven't they? Uh, um, oh, really? That would have been yeah. a, a high on my list. Shout. Detroit yeah. as well have ruled themselves out. I think it was that whole... You talked about the emotion at the start of that game. There was one thing where they obviously walked out with the flags for, for DeMar Hamlin. There was like that four or five minute period where Demar Hamlin tweets the photo of his bedside of his family, and um, and then and then that play was just. If you don't have a slight tear in your eye, you're 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 not human. If 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 you if you follow the league and 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 you've seen that, it seemed like such a long way away from what we were experiencing on on Monday night. And um, I think Josh Allen's press conference after the game said it all. Um, it was just very very emotional time and, and and more power to them and more, more power to the head coach of the buffalo bills for everything they've had to pop with over this week the game itself was, was you know for the neutral it was it was a bit of a doozy i nice to see mac jones come out towards the end of the season and then put a performance i got in even though he had three interceptions but uh, some great plays from the patriots defense coming up as well like that patriots defense is interesting like i can't wait to see what's gonna be like next year but yeah you're right man josh allen towards the end of the game i think it was was it the the last pass he made the the, the last touchdown pass was just 
ridiculous. And the man's not human. But uh, beyond emotion, beyond emotion, the Buffalo. I, I loved it all. It was unreal. It, it was, just to say, it was the 49-yard touchdown to Stefan Diggs where he stepped, He did step up in the pocket. But what was astonishing about it wasn't just the ball placement, wasn't just that it was in the exact spot where only Stefan Diggs could catch it. But to get it to go 49 air yards... It was essentially a flick of the wrist, Ollie. It was yeah. there was barely any arm movement in it at all, and that's real arm talent. Uh, and he was he was showing that arm talent all the way through the game. Um, Tony Romo said actually during the broadcast that over the last two or three weeks he's seen an improvement in Josh Allen's throwing technique and the zip and the and the fizz on on the ball, and that's scary for the Dolphins that are coming into the face them in the playoffs there was another throw uh, I think it was to Gabe Davis to the left hand side it went maybe for 12 play yards but through the air for another 30 because it was across from the right hash line across to the very the corner uh, to the sideline and it was just an absolute laser he was he was dealing lasers all the way through with precision as well. I thought he was absolutely excellent and he didn't really run that much all right he We've seen Josh run, uh, Josh, as a, as we're mates. We've seen Josh <laughs> Allen run um, yes, a, and get loads of yards on the ground. The the, the Patriots did really well of, of stuffing that. Um, I think for the Buffalo Bills, the thing you've got to worry about slightly, yeah, slightly, but is the the they weren't very good on against the run. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson had a pretty good game. Damon Harris got some yards when he needed them, but other than that, I mean, I thought the Bills did brilliantly and they did brilliantly to ride that crest of emotion and then come back when the Patriots then came back and, and leveled it up at 14 apiece. It was a Mike, you're absolutely right. It was a brilliant game. And it's one of the few times where I didn't watch red zone. All right. There wasn't much on, on red zone. Um, when it came to, when it came to things that mattered, this game really mattered for, a, for a, a majority for for loads and loads of reasons, but it was such a really good game and called brilliantly by um, by Nance and by Tony Romo. Romo, who had you could tell he had tears in his eyes and and he, he got his voice went and got emotional after that first touchdown and after the Naheem Hines second one hundred and six yarder as well. It was an incredible, incredible moment. Now, look, the Bills that we know, we look forward to to this weekend's playoffs. We know who they'll be facing. We'll go through each of those individually as as we go through. But maybe that's what the best thing to do would be, would be to turn our attention to to that AFC wildcard spot where the Patriots out of the running after losing to the Bills. The Pittsburgh Steelers did what they needed to do and ended up coming back from a position of having been four and eight earlier this year to finish the season at nine and eight to mean that Mike Tomlin still doesn't have a losing record under his belt to rise to the occasion and do everything they needed to do to beat the Cleveland Browns. And there'll be plenty of time to talk about whether there's a bright future ahead for Kenny Pickett. He had the drive, the game winning drive uh, six or seven days ago where, you know, you had all the Steelers fans after that Sunday night football drive talking about him being a franchise quarterback. He's clearly got a great connection with George Pickens. Still think there's some issues with his the, the way that he manages the pocket, the way he reads pressure and feels pressure. But that's all very learnable. I think that 
he has shown enough signs, but they do miss out because the Miami Dolphins go from being eight and three earlier this season. They lose five straight and then they end up somehow nicking a game against the New York Jets with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, with both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill getting injured in this game. By the way, neither of which had a catch of longer than 15 yards in this game. They nick it with a late Jason Sanders field goal and then extend their lead thanks to a late safety. 11-6, to a scoregami for those who care about such things. But I don't know. I look to that game with the Bills next weekend, Ollie Hunter, and I say if Tua Tunga-Vailoa is not back in that side, I don't know if that game is winnable. I don't think it is. Uh, and I don't think it's winnable if Teddy Bridgewater's in that side either. Uh, if you've got injuries to your two stud wide receivers um, and they're carrying injuries going into a game like this against a Bills defense at that stadium as well. And you've got a not very good quarterback in Skylar Thompson. The running game, yeah, it's all right. And that's what they'll have to lean on. But man, it looks scary for the Dolphins. This game was one of the worst games that I've been privy to for a long time. I've, I've watched the, the 40 back and geez, it's that was a struggle. That was a real struggle getting through that. Um, the Jets didn't have anything at all. I mean, their defense is really good, but they were going up against Skylar Thompson. So, yeah, I worry for the Miami Dolphins, Michael. As I said on mute, I, I worry for them, but I, I will say this as, as Will said. If you've got a team with Tyreek Hill, Mike Kosicki, Jalen Waddle, among many others on that core, and you've got a running game, if you insert Tua, who has obviously been fluent off a lot, do not get me wrong, concussion-wise, they have a chance in Buffalo. If it's not, if it's Teddy Bridgewater or Skylar Thompson, they may as well save the air miles and stay in Miami. But <laughs> I, I, I think the thing Bridgewater offers them something more, and there was definitely a drop off. And look, Skylar Thompson on his what I think he had completed twenty passes for one hundred and fifty-two yards kind of gives you an idea of how simple they were keeping this offense. But he didn't turn the ball over. He avoided negative plays for the main part. You know, he didn't do anything stupid to cost them the game. I do think Bridgewater's a clear upgrade on him. But to a tongue of Iowa, I mean, there are reports coming out that that not only is this young man yeah, potentially not going to be available for this playoff game, but considering his NFL future, that his family are talking to him about whether after three concussions this season, he should be going back into the NFL. Yeah, that's going to be a huge talking point for the whole offseason, regardless either way. And if he doesn't show up uh, on, the, on the field next Sunday, I mean, <clears throat> I'm trying to talk myself into Bridgewater putting up a, a fight against the... Uh, and they, they ran the ball reasonably well. thought Jeff Wilson played well. Yeah. Every he most... Uh, they have Mike McDaniels, who in theory... It, I, there's part of me that wants to be positive that they got done what needed to be done. But I have no doubt that a Steelers team whose defense has really turned up and has gone on a run in the second half of the season. And even a Patriots team who I know just went there and lost after a terrible second half performance, but at least know the opposition well enough to give them a game. This kind of feels like the worst outcome for that seventh seed. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I, I think you're right. with this, <laughs> Amazingly with the Steelers, um, who that defense ever since 
Which what is it? Not Derek, not JJ. <laughs> Derek the other one. Watt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Derek, TJ Watt. TJ Watt. There we go. Derek Watt got a touchdown uh, as well. Did you, um, did you see? Did you see Derek Watt and TJ Watt turned up to the Steelers game this in weekend? the ninety nines? Yeah, in the ninety nines, which is pretty cool. I like that. I love that. That's 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 cool. The Steelers that defense has looked really really good with Minka and and TJ and I, I'm. I think you're right, Will. It would have been a far better spectacle. And probably that's why the the, the schedulers have put it on at that time. The the, the early window, one o'clock. Um, have your, your, if you're in America, have your Sunday afternoon roast. They don't have roasts. They don't have gravy um, other than on Thanksgiving, which is mental, isn't it? Um, but have your Sunday afternoon roasts and, and pop on the football. It's on in the background. Oh, how are Buffalo doing? Oh, yeah, they're smashing... Smashing the dolphins, brilliant! How's Great. the jet lag, Ollie? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> you got real weird in the last couple of minutes. You went from Teddy Bridgewater to TJ Watt to gravy within what thirty seconds. <laughs> Why don't they have gravy? It, it, yeah, they do. They have breakfast gravy, sausage. No, gravy. but and, yeah, but that that tastes like ass, doesn't it? I disagree. Hard <laughs> disagree. Honestly, that's awful. Good, good peppery sausage gravy is fantastic. No, Michael no. has looked. He's like, it's week 18 in the NFL season. We know the playoffs late. How on earth are we talking about sausage gravy? This well, is what you get when Simon Clancy's not here, buddy. You get me and Ollie going absolutely <laughs> off the rails. If talking about ass and you know stuff like that there, let, let me. <laughs> Let me raise you. Uh, let me not, not. Let me raise you the possibility of this. As a Broncos fan, I had to endure a seven and seven performance from Teddy Bridgewater in twenty twenty one, and then he started started the demand was the twenty five million dollars from this Broncos team. Look, Teddy done all right to get into the whole backup spot in Miami, and the reality is, it doesn't matter who's playing. Like, forget who's playing a quarterback here. The Bills are going to put up anywhere between thirty five and forty two points on Saturday, or or or, or whatever they're playing this weekend. And it's only not more and it's only not more than that because they'll take their foot off the gas. Exactly. So can Miami like Miami need to be it needs to be a shootout. And the only way in which that happens, as you've said spot on there, is if you have two of there. I just don't see how two is going to be ready. I mean we can talk about this in a different podcast towards the end of the week, but I, I as of Monday I don't think two players, and I think the Bills progress. I I I I'm like you will. I think we're going to see the Bills in Arizona. Right, really the, two, the the two other AFC matchups. See, the Cincinnati Bengals face the Baltimore Ravens in a repeat of this week. The Bengals, we've we've said it for the Bills. It's of course still an emotional time for the Bengals as well. But the Ravens did turn up and play essentially a second string team. Anthony Brown at quarterback, rough debut for him. We hope that Lamar will be back for next weekend. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of positivity. The run game was good for Cincinnati, but there's not a huge amount. We should save that for later in the week when we're basically talking about the same game. Happening happening all over again. I, I briefly mentioned this earlier, but I just want to really make a point about that Saturday night game, the Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert going up against Trevor Lawrence. This is an exciting game between two very exciting young teams, which Brandon Staley did his very best to absolutely ruin by deciding to play his key starters, who, let's be honest, are one of the most injury-prone teams in the NFL. Having Derwin James and Joey Bosa and Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, and even when they pulled Justin Herbert out of the game with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, Keenan Allen still caught the last touchdown pass, meaning Hmm. he's still on the field another player who's had his injury problems could be a number one. 
but just doesn't stay on the field long enough. Why is Brandon Staley, when he knows he's locked into a specific seed, he already knows who he's playing the following weekend in the Jacksonville Jaguars. What on earth is he doing leaving those guys in the game? And as much as I feel for Mike Williams, who has had some explosive, incredible plays this year and really looks like that difference-making number two potentially to Keelan Allen when he gets to start, he ends up not only going out of the game, but coming back into the game and going out of the game again before being carted to the locker room. I'm sorry, I feel like Brandon Staley has avoided some of the criticism that's come Zach Taylor's way. And, you know, we talked about this last week. Zach Taylor has, you know, give, a lot of people respect him a lot more after his reaction to what happened in Cincinnati last week. But he's kind of, in a lot of places, avoided taking any of the young coach flack for some of the game management, etc. I just thought it was scandalous that he left so many players in. Um. Do you want me to start early with this? Because I've I've yeah, I, I have a lot ahead. to say here, unfortunately. David Carr tweeted last night uh that Brandon Staley's the sort of lad that washes paper plates before throwing them away. I mean, just <laughs> just seeing the defense, the, the Broncos defense, which look, that is maybe one of the only positives that I can take out as a fan watching the season. The defense is for most of the time, apart from Christmas Day, <laughs> stood up, done very, very well, and, and then they sort of collapsed that day. But for the Chargers, outside of starting everyone at the end of that game the Broncos were running the ball the Chargers had at least two timeouts I think yeah two two timeouts and all they had to do was just I think they were on third down there was 30 or 40 seconds left in the game and for Staley who had starters out for most of the game not to time out and go oh sure look it'll be grand we'll not try and get the ball back and win the game or even have a bit of crack and throw the ball down once didn't bother never mind the fact that Austin Eckler took a massive hit from Josie Jill Mike Williams as you said will get carted off Kenneth Murray has a has a very very weird game where he was questionable at one point and then obviously Joey Bosa what the hell is he at for me that is tittering on a sackable offence I like I completely understand A have you had something to play for which they didn't even in terms of seeding but if you had like like Joey Bosa's only a second game back off IR, right? So you want to get him some reps. You want to get him some practice under his legs. He ended up taking a knock in the second quarter, going out for the rest of the game. He was never designated questionable or anything to return, but he definitely hobbled off the field. And you compare it with you know, San Francisco this weekend, who had Elijah Mitchell coming back, Debo Samuel coming back, guys off injury. And they had a lot more to play for because they needed to secure that second seed. But once they took a three-score lead against the Cardinals, those guys did not see the field again. Mm. They got their 25 snaps in, they got their 30 snaps in, and they pulled them and they made sure they used the depth and the rotation. That's what you want to be seeing. You don't want to be seeing this putting people in danger when they could be the difference makers, not just for your team, but for themselves and for everyone else around them of taking your team deeper in the playoffs. The Chargers, that is a winnable game for them in Jacksonville. That, as much as I really like the Jacksonville Jaguars, that feels like the biggest coin flip in the AFC, certainly, this weekend. And you put that all at risk. For, for what? Literally for what? Uh, did you hear what he said afterwards? He said, there's only 48 guys you can choose from, and these aren't easy decisions. Hindsight is perfect for everybody on the outside, but these games are not easy to manage. They're not, because you don't have that many players. We did it to the best of our ability. Well, Brandon, your ability is not good enough, pal. Uh, I really thought I missed that Ollie was quoting Brandon Staley at the beginning there, and I thought Ollie was coming in <laughs> playing devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> and then really flipped it again. Um, the, the, Ollie, I, Ollie, he there has is a, Saturday night. 
he had the, he watched the game on Saturday night. He's seen on Saturday night that the Jags were, frankly, not great. To, and he they said on the Thursday they were going to rest players if the Ravens didn't win. He already oh. said it. Just... And the Ravens weren't ever looking like they were ever going to win. So it, it's a really, really bizarre decision. Um, the Ravens rested more players than they did, and they actually had a chance to do something when they yeah. started their game. I'm sorry. I, I, and there was a little bit of an issue of competitive balance in terms of games kicking off at the same time this weekend. I thought that Bengals-Ravens game should have been in the nine o'clock window personally. But um, anyway, we know that's the AFC side of things. Let's get into the NFC side of things. 49ers, Vikings, Eagles, all secured wins uh, against you know, secondary teams to, to secure the one, two and three seed. Fine. Uh, we know the Buccaneers will face the Cowboys. The Cowboys, by the way, going down 27-6 to Washington and leaving their own starters in for a lot of that game and struggling to get to a rookie quarterback despite their apparent excellent pass rush. Sam Hellinger had a, had a decent game overall, threw mm-hmm. one horrible interception, but good with his legs, got outside the pocket, made a couple of good throws. I thought there was more to worry about in that Cowboys performance than I think a lot of people are writing it off as pure Week 18 uh, fodder, Ollie. I think there's a whole lot to worry about in that performance. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, Dak Prescott was under, was way under 50% on completion percentage, which is insane for a guy of his supposed... Well, he is a talented guy. He's an NFL quarterback, but... Man, he did not look good. His passes were were erratic. Um, it, they didn't seem to have zip. He was making weird decisions. And they looked really, really bad. Really bad. I'm saying it with a with with a smile as well, because I <laughs> rather dislike the Cowboys. And it's great to see them lose and brought back down to earth because maybe Cowboys fans might be as insufferable as any other fans? Maybe Patriots fans. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I thought the Commanders looked good. Somehow looked looked okay. And but it was more, wow, this Cowboys team defensively they were all right, but offensively, wow, they looked so poor. Yeah, I think some real concerns there going into that game with the Buccaneers on Sunday night next weekend. We know that the Giants will face the Vikings. We know that. The seed will be the Eagles, who who got it done against the Giants' backups. Though the Giants' backups, I think, played pretty well and and, and you know gave them a, a good account of themselves. I mentioned for the 49ers, by the way, JJ Watt getting two sacks in that game on his final appearance. It was bizarre. We talked earlier this year about the reverence shown to Tom Brady when he came to town, got absolutely hammered, but then they all stayed behind to shake his hand and get stuff signed and everything afterwards. JJ Watt kind of got a kind of similar send off from the team this weekend. And actually I spoke to Spencer Burford, the, uh, the rookie guard, both pre-game uh, on Friday, and then I spoke to him in the post-game as well. And those two sacks for JJ Watt weighed on that young man's head heavily. He was genuinely gutted that he didn't manage to keep out JJ Watt on his last appearance and like he's he's a guy who's only given up a, a handful of pressures this year and only a couple of sacks and so he was really really disappointed in his own performance which I think shows what competitor he is but yeah, JJ Watt he might be a cheesy man he might be a, a bit <laughs> of a look at me Luke but ugh, there was a three or four year stretch where I've never seen a more dominant defensive player in the NFL very, very classy last night from the Niners, Will, of what they had done and, and, and the reception that he got both pre-game and when he went off with two minutes to go. I thought it was 
exceptional that just the sort of the send off he was given and you're you're being too good on yourself there you're 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 not talking too much about the Niners by god anyone watching them last night in the NFC is bricking themselves over the next few weeks George Kittle I mean you couldn't stop him if he was running at you I mean two, two touchdowns last night and we're sitting here having a conversation about about Miami and their third string quarterback and you see Brock Purdy playing like that against okay it's Cliff Kingsbury and lads we we we, we might save this for a graphic but Cy Clancy has texted me uh, his thoughts, like a quote for a graphic, if Kingsbury gets fired on Monday, and it's amazing. <laughs> it is. Amazing. They, they have said they have said there's going to be a meeting. Uh, they are. It's their usual annual postseason meeting. Would you like is a taster? What saying, but go on, go on. One of the most spectacularly underwhelming hires of the past two decades. It's a full paragraph, so it's uh, that is amazing. Yeah. God, <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, I imagine that it will require a little bit of editing, not just because of length, but language as well. Um, so that turns our attention to the seventh seed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I haven't had my say on the 49ers. So we talk about the NFL, but have you ever experienced the NFL in its natural state, live and in person in America, surrounded by tens of thousands of screaming partisan fans after spending hours beforehand in the car park outside the stadium enjoying a cold beer maybe one or two as the smell of barbecue and tailgate food wafts deliciously through the air if not or if you have and you fancy doing it again well touchdown trips folks are the experts in creating amazing travel packages for your favorite nfl team and when we say amazing we mean it the guys and the girls at touchdown trips put fans first and are passionate the fans who book with them get a proper unforgettable and more importantly a unique nfl experience you don't just get tickets but an authentic pre-game tailgate with local fans college fan you want to go to a college game stadium tour why not as well as all that they include flights from across the uk they've got fantastic hotels and anything else you may want to add such as an nba game or an nhl game or a local excursion to create truly bespoke packages that are more importantly at all protected and abta bonded so if you're thinking of going to a game this season or next and just want to get in touch give the team at touchdown trips a shout today at touchdowntrips.com check them out on facebook facebook.com forward slash touchdown trips or twitter at touchdown trips touchdown trips you have to see it to believe it Now go on. <laughs> no, it's fine. Let's just go to the. I was, tra- I was just trying to. I was just trying to avoid it for as long as possible. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the coaching hiring and firing. <laughs> no, we're talking about the seventh seed. It's happening. So the Seattle Seahawks book their place temporarily in the seventh seed with a 1916 win over the Rams in overtime. A game which, let's be clear on this, was farcical from a officiating perspective. The Rams had every opportunity to win that game. And I feel pretty vindicated that I kept telling everyone that all week when people seemed to be just absolutely writing them off. But I saw a, <laughs> I saw a fantastic tweet from Roto Pat who said something along the lines of, um, the Lions might be the first team in NFL history to send the league officiating film from a different game to complain about <laughs> the fact that they're not making the playoffs. 
because there was just decision after decision after decision in this one, which seemed to go absolutely in their favor. And I did actually get, I had, <laughs> I had one Seahawks fan who in classic fashion came in and went, yeah, well, with the number of decisions that have gone against them this year, then, uh, you know, that means that it, it's finally evened out or something like that. And I, I, I really bit my tongue. I really wanted to reply and be like, are you kidding me? Like, it doesn't matter about this nonsense about balancing out and anything else. They did not deserve to win that game of football. And they got and phantom roughing the kicker call, which extended the drive, which ended up turning into the game-tying field goal. They got what I think was a relatively heinous bad call on a on a uh, on an unnecessary roughness on Jalen Ramsey. As much as I'm not his biggest fan, but then DK Metcalf should have absolutely had a balancing out penalty on the other side. It was just a complete and utter mess. And I got to tell you, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit here, but nothing I saw in that performance for a team that have fallen from six and two to scraping into the playoffs at nine and eight means whoever's facing them, if they're in the playoffs, just in case anyone's listening to this for the results, I don't know why you would be. I wouldn't fear them next weekend. Those are going to be, those are going to be some horrible, (laughs) horrible words, which come back to bite me in the worst way possible. But I do not think they are a playoff worthy football team. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a better game than the Green Bay one, because I think Green Bay is so insipid, but maybe that's just my my thoughts on, on Green Bay clouding it. Um, I think it'll be a... I, I always love interdivisional playoff games. I think, I think they're amazing, and I think it'll be an incredible atmosphere and, and everything all about it, but the Seahawks' defence has played up and has played better than everyone thought it would do, but it's not going to be any we're near a match for what the 49ers can do and what, you know, the different things that the 49ers have up their sleeve, all the different weapons, Debo being back. We didn't mention that. Um, so, and then, then offensively, the, the Seahawks are putrid. I mean, Geno Smith has not been good for the last six weeks, seven weeks. Um, Tyler Lockett is, is, has got an injury. DK Metcalf, is just a bit of a bully, flat trap bully, maybe. And I don't think you can flat trap bully this 49ers defense, which is the best in the division, best in the league, best in best in, in every in every aspect. So I think it'll be brilliant to watch and it'll be closer than it should be because it's a playoff game. But there's only one winner and that's the 49ers. I, I, I'm being un, unfairly dismissive of the Seahawks team, right? They did go out to six and two for a reason. Geno Smith has been excellent for the most part of this season and actually had the the last two weeks finally got back to some of those explosive plays which had got them to that six and two point, who got them those wins over those first eight games. And fair play to him by getting to the postseason, by playing 80% of snaps, by making the playoffs. He earned his final million dollars in incentives, meaning he earned all of his incentives for the year. Great for him. Genuinely pleased. Geno Smith is clearly a guy. It's a great story, the way he's learned. And... What an incredible rookie class. Like, tackles on either side who have performed in a at, at least starter capacity. I think they did have a drop-off, but they were good this weekend against the Rams overall. Kenneth Walker, brilliant. 
Tariq Woolen, a scary looking injury in this game, which it turned out he ended up bouncing back and coming back in. But him and Kobe Bryant both competing like they are set up to be a good team going forward. Pete Carroll got them into the postseason and that's pretty impressive. And everyone laughed at Pete Carroll in March whenever Russell Wilson was traded and he's now laughing because they have, what, the fifth pick in the draft as well. I would extend what you said about the Seahawks and in terms of their ability or, you know, are they worth being in the playoffs? I think it's a great shame in the NFC that, well, that the Lions aren't there. You look at the way that they've played offensively this season, never mind the defensive masterclass from certain players last night, like such as Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I look at that Giants team, and I think the Lions should be there instead. I mean, the Bucs as well, sitting at 8-9, obviously only there because of the NFC South. But, you know, the Lions really deserved a, a big play and a big uh, a big role in the playoffs. And, and and I guess you look back to that game, well, at Thanksgiving against the Bills. And it's, it's all these if and but situations. I mean, Seattle, for example, nearly lost week one in Monday Night Football. They obviously won in that Super Bowl atmosphere in Lumen Field. They had the same sort of atmosphere last night. I don't think we'll be doing an, an old takes exposed next Monday or next Tuesday in regards to the Niners and the Seahawks, but certainly God, we might be. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, I think it could be closer than what I, I really do. I, I think it could be like a like a twenty four to seventeen to, to the Niners. But I will we'll talk about it later on in the week. Um, so we turn our attention to Sunday night football, and first of all, absolute vindication for those who said that putting Lions Packers on Sunday night football when it could be a dead rubber for one of those teams was pointless because firstly, there's no way they were putting Josh Dobbs in the only genuine win and in game in Sunday night football. And anyone who did stay up to watch Jags Titans whilst a competitive game of football with a tight finish, which is all you can really ask for. It was not of the highest of qualities. I really enjoyed Lions-Packers last night, and I enjoyed it in no small part because the Lions absolutely showed up. Dan Cam- the fighting Dan Campbells refused to take it lying down. Yes, they might have been out of the playoffs, but we've got a chance to go from being one of the worst teams in football, certainly the worst team in the division, to knocking out our oldest rivals, maybe in Aaron Rodgers' last ever game, to get a winning record for the season while still holding a top-tier pick thanks to that Rams trade. They went out there and they fought and they scrapped for every single yard, every single defensive down. And I have to say, Ollie, I thought we're well worth the victory last night. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't think Green Bay ever looked like winning this one. Um, they couldn't get anything on, on offense. And that's been really the story of the season. Uh, I thought the defense actually showed up and the the commentators were giving Joe Barry a lot of praise for the way the defense has been playing. I don't think it's that. I think it's actually players have stepped up in, in certain situations that um, they mentioned about Jay Alexander having a meeting with the entire defense saying, we've got to play better. We've just got to be better. So the defense has been better, but offensively, that's where you expect Green Bay to be really good because they have the two-time, the most, well, two-time MVP consecutively, the most recent, um, They've got a guy who's won a Super Bowl. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame. They've got Aaron Jones, who some would say now, looking at it, is that was the wrong back to keep. But um, they, it just nothing has clicked. It's just not clicked. And I look at the way that drives are constructed, the way that plays are executed, the way that plays are being called. 
weird decisions to to I mean the fourth down play where they gave it to Lazard was so telegraphed and Anzalone just blew it all up it was so telegraphed that I was saying don't give it to him don't give it to him oh they gave it to him blown up but that's indicative that's been happening all the way through the season and weird decisions of of running the ball when we should be passing or or passing passing downs which are just swing passes out to the left or right which then get blown up green bay have become predictable predictable on offense and they they never used to be and that's because aaron Rodgers would do bits here bits there the play designs have been good they've had good players being able to make the plays that just hasn't happened this year uh, the from my perspective, there's a few things that really highlighted this whole performance for me. I'm really glad you mentioned the fourth and one play because that was a prime example of you're screaming it, I'm screaming it. If us at home are sat watching that going, don't give that to Lazard, that's obviously the play. If you get away with this, it's going to be very lucky. And four Lions players went with it and yeah. swarmed the ball and they'd clearly seen it on film and they knew where that ball was going is a real problem. The The fact is that the Lions, uh, there were good performances across the board. It was mentioned about how good Aiden Hutchinson was in this game. Kirby Joseph, a difference maker with the interception, but all round a really strong performance. Jamal Williams, who is quickly becoming a national treasure, which I could not be happier about as a guy that we we know and we've met over the years and we've interviewed at Radio Row and he's just a lovely, lovely guy. Um, Seeing his reaction post-game when he made it clear that you know, people sh- people who are writing the Lions off, people are saying there's no way they win this game. Like, I think only one of the analysts on TV picked the Lions over the Packers, and thank God it was that to avoid it being uh, an internet meme for the next week. At least one person saved us. It was Tony Dungy. From, from all of that. Tony Dungy, what a hero. And, uh, Tony Dungy picked another one that was a, that everybody went with, and he was like, ago, wasn't it? I can't remember. Which was it? It was a couple of weeks ago, I think. Something it was like a couple of weeks ago where everybody went with it. And, I, and and he was like, no, actually, I see this happening. Tony Dungy, he's the guy. Steelers. He picked the Steelers a couple of weeks ago. Well, that um, was it. And look, the other two things, I just I just want to I just want to finish on this. The, the other the two plays that that really highlighted me more than anything else, forgetting Rogers, forgetting the lack of, you know, uh, cohesion and the play calling. Razzle Douglas and one of the most ridiculous, head-scratching, unsportsmanlike penalties I've ever seen in my life, where he just decided to stride between the offensive line and the defensive line on a kick. Yeah, we all knew they were going to ice it. We all knew that was the case. But for him to step in there and put a hand on the ball before the whistle had blown was absolute madness. And then for Quay Walker, and look, in the moment, you might not see who it is you're pushing. You might not have the context. You might not be thinking about it. If I'm trying to justify it for him in some way, but for it to be the second time in a matter yeah. of weeks that Quay Walker has lay his hands on somebody not suited up, a practice squad member previously, and this time a member of athletic training staff. And for that look to come in a week where we're all celebrating athletic training staff left, right, and center for the way in which they saved Damar Hamlin's life. You only said this earlier for all the lovely sentiments and thoughts and prayers and everything else that happens those men and women saved his life through their brilliance and quay walker is shoving one of them who's just getting in there trying to help somebody who's down on the floor seems absolutely bizarre to me and it just it all feels like 
just such ill discipline yes. that led to just a complete organisational downfall. Absolutely. Ill discipline. Um, I think they've been ill prepared all season. I think they think that they're better than they are. Um, and they clearly, clearly came into the game last night, especially with the Lions losing. Oh, we're going to win this. We're going to beat the Lions. We we always beat the Lions at Lambeau, yada, yada. And it, there's the whole season has been about complacency on in every facet. Complacency, ill-discipline. Um, and I think there needs to be some serious inward-looking amongst the the coaching staff, the leadership groups, and the the back office and the front office or everywhere because the Packers are a mess right now. I well, like the minute you seen Jamal Williams there first first Swag Kamikage leader of the Hidden Village of the Den last night, you knew something was going to happen. But uh, I, 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 I had to do it. and I know I've said this a number of times this season. I think we need to move to a. I think we need to move to a system where records are judged on per game basis because of the extension of games. It's sacks per game. It's touchdowns per game. It's yards per game. That's the way we judge them. Even at the same time for him to go and beat Barry Sanders franchise record for touchdowns is astonishing. Like what a man. Um, Even just to sort of jump on what you said about the Packers second ago, Ollie, I think it stems from London. I mean, we were there at the media day whenever Lafleur walked in. He was exhausted. They lose in London. Nobody thought they were going to lose in London. And then they go on this losing run. And bar winning one game, I think, um, four or five weeks down the line, they then lose more games. I think the attitude, yeah, it hasn't been there all season. And frankly, size not here, so I'll say it. I don't think Aaron Rodgers plays another down in the NFL. I think he's done. I think... We will look back on this in a couple of months and look at the way that the NFC has been this year where certain teams have gone into the playoffs and you're thinking, how in the hell have they got in? I think it's a monumental disaster. And if the Fleur is not going to have to answer to it, I think the OC or somebody has to because it's an absolute disaster in Green Bay. And the fans are right to be annoyed because Rodgers held them to account for the whole of the offseason. He got paid. And look what's happened. They've missed the playoffs in a year where they should have, if not winning the NFC North, they should have been comfortably the seven, six or seven seed. It's it's shocking. Let, let me ask Ollie uh, that the Aaron Rodgers question. There were lots of little indicators yesterday. He in the presser suggested that they were, he was going to be questioning what he did next year. He didn't swap his jersey. He chose to keep hold of the game worn jersey, which is something a player would do in their last game. There were lots of little telltale signs, but we've seen this from Rogers before. We've seen him play the games. We've seen him get very silly. We've seen him get yeah. I. What, what, how are you feeling about the the overall Rogers situation right now? I struggle with him as a human being, given some of his thoughts around COVID and the pandemic. Um, everyone's entitled, obviously, but there were some weird, weird things that were going on with him there. Um, I think his play has been down for certainly this year. Uh, I think he was maybe let, got out of jail a bit last year, despite being the MVP, by having some amazing talent around him and a head coach who 
who hadn't been found out potentially. So then we go into this off season and you see that he's got a 58 million cap hit, but he had said previously that he um, is thankful to the Packers organization for making himself generationally wealthy and wouldn't see a problem in walking away from a guaranteed $58 million. I think if, if he stays at Green Bay, it, we get the same thing again next year. The best option for Green Bay is to trade him for someone that will give you a number one pick in very high in the first round. That's the best option. Ooh. And I would think, take it. Think he's, I would take he, it in a heartbeat. So, do we think he plays another down in the NFL, even if he? Doesn't I think play he does down there. I, I think he does. does. No, I think he. Um, I think he thinks he's still the business, but the Green Bay Packers experience is finished. And if anyone will pay him, and if that means that Green Bay need to subsidize part of that, then he will go and play elsewhere. He will. I don't think he's done, but I think he's done as a Green Bay Packer, which is kind of sad because it's, he's been amazing. But one Super Bowl for for the talent that he had isn't a great return when you think that Eli Manning's got two. It does highlight the fact that obviously the Tom Brady era absolutely ludicrous to have one quarterback winning that many Super Bowls, and it also highlights that when people look at somebody either winning a Super Bowl early in their career. Um, or somebody who you know maybe has a huge amount of talent, Patrick Mahomes, or um, any of those new guys coming through, Burrow, Herbert. Like these are guys who might never win a Super Bowl, yeah. or if they've already won one. Everyone was projecting Russell Wilson to win three or four Super Bowls after they absolutely hammered the Broncos in that first one. Sorry to bring up the memory, Mike, uh, and then went to the next one and, and lost by a yard, essentially in a game they probably should have won. Everyone's like, yeah, they're going to be back time and time and time again. It's a it's a very, very difficult thing to do to win a Super Bowl. Some of the all-time greats never did it. Mm. Jim Kelly and Dan Marino. And, you know, so you can be a Hall of Fame quarterback, which Aaron Rodgers very clearly is, without doing it. I just think we've had unrealistic, uh, unrealistic, unrealistic expectations set by the Tom Brady era. At the same time, if there's a player I would pick out of the last two decades who I think we will look back on more than any other and say, God, he should have had more than one. Yeah. I'd say it's Aaron Rodgers. And I think it goes it goes with the franchise that he's been playing, that he plays for. And we'd said the same about Brett Favre. How did he only get one? You know, it goes it goes from the franchise, Green Bay being the storied title town, all of that, the talent around. And they just, they've just messed up. They messed up the last couple of years with Mike McCarthy. You could say three years. Uh, then there was that rebuild. Then Lafleur or Gutenkunst and whoever drafted Jordan Love. So that messed up that year. Imagine what what could have been if if that hadn't have happened. And then this year has been messed up as well. So yeah, I agree with you, Will. I think over the over the. Next five to ten years, when we look back, we'll be thinking, bloody hell, Aaron Rodgers it, it, just it won. Was, 
It was a three-year run prior to this. Like that's this year was wobbly from the, the get-go, but the three years prior to this, one of those, they were the, consistently yeah. the favorites in the NFC. And on one of those occasions, probably should have been the team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, we've gone very long here, boys. This is We've been getting quite tight on our podcasts and we've been d- making it a bit more bite-sized and a bit more easy to consume, but can't help it when it's week 18 and there's so much happening around the NFL. So let's just mention very quickly those non-playoff teams, the the changes that we're seeing happening left, right and centre. Bill Belichick has confirmed he is returning for a 24th season as the Patriots head coach. There was some speculation about that. Now attention turns to who's the quarterback going to be. Do they stick with Mac Jones? Do they try and bring somebody in for competition? And what do they do about the offensive staff? I think we, we should try and get Matt Sherry. I know it's been a while since he's been on. Now he's in his new managerial role, but we should get him <laughs> on to talk Patriots uh, at some point. How um, about this? How about yes. this? Aaron Rodgers to the New, new England Patriots. One last dance Jim- with, with uh, <laughs> Bill Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it, mm, yeah. I'm not so buying that. Not so buying that. Or maybe, maybe you do bring, maybe you do bring him in as competition for Mac Jones. But I'm not buying. He's actually an upgrade on Mac Jones. I'm afraid. Um, I should. I mean, sell the farm to go and get Brock Purdy. Obviously, uh, <laughs> or Trey Lance. Either works. Uh, just give us our picks back. Um, the uh, Lovey Smith. Just, just. Lovey Smith refusing to lose that game of football. He knew he was out of the door at the end of that game. They I were think his players did as well, didn't they? They they knew. But he is a much-liked guy who was a huge part of the team the year before, their defensive coordinator. is beloved around the league. Everyone who's ever played for him, going back to his days in Chicago, has nothing but positivity for him. He took over the most rancid situation in the NFL this year. He played teams tough all the way down the stretch. And I don't just mean, you know, playing a Colts team who, let's be honest, to describe them as anemic at this point would be almost detrimental to the to the both the illness and the people who suffer from anemia. But beating the <laughs> Titans, taking the Chiefs to overtime, nearly beating the Cowboys, like they've had some performances down the stretch. And then to go for two at the end of the game, knowing it would lose them the number one uh, pick in the draft, sending it to his old team in Chicago, who now hold all of those cards to be able to go and get themselves a trade for three first round picks because they already know they've got their quarterback. Just. Mwah sensational loved it i mean the, the mcnair family gave brock osweiler a 72 million dollar contract i mean they don't know what they're at let's be clear they should have kept him in that job they made a big hullabaloo about it this time last year oh it's lovely it's it's, it's lovely it's gonna be great i agree with you they were they haven't got a great record but they stayed in games especially towards the end of the season and they were more fun to watch than usual um, and then obviously since, since we went on, William, uh, Steve Keim has apparently been let go, but he apparently could remain in a position in Arizona. So what, ah. he's been he's been removed as GM, but they might move him upstairs? Per Schefter. I wonder, does he want Cliff Kingsbury's job? <laughs> oh my God. Arizona. And they're also talking about the likes of Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson, who are Keim's right-hand men being moved up in place of the much maligned GM. Like, you know, I just, 
deck chairs and the Titanic spring to mind a little bit in this situation. This franchise desperately needs some fresh ideas from an outside party. If they're not going to fire Kingsbury as well, and let's be clear, Kime was responsible for hiring Kingsbury, who's gone 5-15 and 15 in his last 20 games with enough talent on that roster to do far better than that. I this if I it makes me angry. The Bidwells just get them all out. Just get Kingsbury gone, and maybe if a new general manager comes in, Bidwell's first. The Bidwell is allowing that general manager as a first sign of power to come in and go. Kingsbury, you're gone. Maybe that's part of the whole plan. Kime made some good picks previously. He did some good work in the past. But he has been holding on to that job for too long. It should be long. It should have been. Uh, keep, keep them all in and they can have Aaron Rodgers. We'll take their first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. I, uh, what, they're picking three now, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple of teams who don't need a quarterback at the very top of the draft. There's going to does be, I does think Chicago there. need a quarterback? Or, I mean, they've got a good running back in Justin Fields. That, that, that could be a discussion point for February. <laughs> there's, there's definitely going to be some some trading and some... Listen, you know, some Mikey, you know with the NFL and these NFL owners and general managers, they are so stubborn that they will rather die on a hill than admit that uh, they've got something wrong and go away from it too quickly. So they'll let that play out. That happens with yeah. coaching appointments in the main, unless it's really bad, like Urban Meyer or Nathaniel Hackett. Um, they'll either they just generally let it play out because they're still making their their multi millions. And uh, oh, okay, yeah, it didn't work. Let's just rebuild and start again. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, last question, Mike McQuaid. We talked a little bit about it earlier in the show. Sean Payton being linked, Jim Harbaugh being linked, all these huge names, big success, Super Bowl appearances, even rings on these men's CVs. And then Dan Quinn now being mentioned, who, let's be honest, should have been the Cowboys head coach this season. The Cowboys are going to let him out of the door for another job and keep Mike McCarthy. That would be, and I want to be really clear on this, <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah, wouldn't it? I'd lo- it's, and it's so oh. Cowboys to do that. How are you feeling, Mike McQuaid, about uh, the possibility of Dan Quinn in Denver? He do he do wonders with that defense. Uh, he, like, he, he he would, but to. it's 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 hard. It's hard. Well, like this, it's twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. 2023, you know, like it's just, I don't even know what year it is anymore. It's the 2022 season. It's 2022 season. We're, we're in 2023. The Broncos have not been relevant since 2016, 2015, 2016. I'm at, I'm at the point now where I think they could bring Jesus Christ himself in and it wouldn't sort of wow. like that's genuinely the point I'm at. Like I am, it's almost depressing, but you would think any of those three lads could do a job. I would be a bit concerned about Harbaugh. Um, because he seems to flirt with different teams every offseason now, and it's like, oh, like, what's going to happen? The Broncos don't I, have I, a... I genuinely think Harbour is back in the NFL this year. I just don't Indy? know if the job. Indy I feels think... more like it to me. I just, I don't see, with, with, with Sean Payton, like, you get that first-round pick back with the whole trade with Miami for Bradley Chubb, but I, I, I would be fuming if they gave that up for Sean Payton. I think that Dan Quinn... Safe pair of hands. You, you got to remember, I, I've sat for the last six years and you've had Vance Joseph, um, 
God, I mean, I don't even want to talk about the other lad. Like, like literally, like seriously, lads, I'm at the point now where after seeing the whole situation this year with um, Nathaniel Hackett and just beforehand with everything that's been done and the last few weeks that I just feel that anybody should come in, but it needs to be quick. And I feel a lot of guys need to be turfed out because it's not good enough. It's, it's oh, really buddy. depressing. That's sure it's all good. I mean, the, the Niners are going to win some most of what a ah, but lovely Ru- note to end on. Russell Wilson Every, looked good. Everybody's second team now that Brock Purdy's in there. Yeah, but Vic Fangio, like, I mean, like, you know, for me, Ollie, it's like, you know, no, it's not, it's not happening. But who knows? Maybe this time next year I'll be sitting all jolly, like, yeah. He won't be. One and done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is spoken like a man who has suffered, uh, truly. Uh, look, guys, always good fun. Uh, what a great regular season it's been. I've really enjoyed doing this show yeah. as well every week. Uh, good to have it back on the road, as it were. And we're going to do another show later this week to preview the weekend's games. Uh, TBC. Or, or Mike's going to be too busy um, juggling the ball out of bounds. Uh, <laughs> best hand signal oh, in the no. NFL. Uh, there's, there's an off-season podcast for you. <laughs> best refereeing hand signals. Uh, my, Mike is absolutely exasperated at this point. I love it. I didn't want to put one out that was over an hour, and you swore twice, and you libeled somebody at one point. I didn't talk about you. gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we've made him like a, a, some weird bloke from the south of England, and he's got one of the most distinctive accents of anyone in the world. But, uh, love you, buddy. Great work from you. Uh, love. Must love. Ollie. Glad to have you back. Thanks, mate. Shame you didn't tan while you were in Brazil, but there we it go. didn't. There was no sun. <sighs> it, unbelievably, there was one day where it got above twenty-seven. I think the re- but but there was no. It was warm, but there was no sun. Just clouds. Honestly, shambles. Fantastic. Absolute shambles. Glorious. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. At UK Gridiron on Instagram, at Gridiron on Twitter. Go find us on TikTok as well. Go give the love. Send your questions. Maybe we'll do another show later in the week with all the hirings, firings, and some playoffs to preview. Yeah, because we're just six days away from the playoffs being back. A pretty good-looking wildcard weekend, let's be honest. And then, just a few weeks away from Arizona, baby, and the Super Bowl. At least somebody in Arizona is going to get to enjoy a Super Bowl sometime. <laughs> Thank you for watching and listening. This has been the Gridiron Show.